Welcome to Speakeasy. No drinks, just dialogue with Kansas City's doers and makers. I'm Drew. And I'm Derek. And thanks for listening. All right, joining us here today are Kate and Chris Mache, uh, co-owners of Ibis Bakery and The Crossroads. Thanks for making it down. <laughs> well, okay, so I, I read, I've read that you baked your first loaf of bread four years ago, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so yeah. what what started the that, like, I'm going to bake a loaf of bread, and then now, four years later, we're in this gigantic, amazing space in the Crossroads Arts District. <laughs> how does that How does that go from there? <laughs> yeah, so my, my brother-in-law lived uh, out on the West Coast, and he had some friends who were baking bread out there, and we talked a lot about doing coffee roasting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a bunch of like conversations with the bread bakers out on the West coast and decided to actually do it in Kansas city. Um, but the, the group of people who are baking bread, like they weren't wanting to move to Kansas city mm-hmm. for a so, bread and coffee concept. Right. Right. Yeah. Sure. So it was a bread and coffee concept and it was actually more on the, the coffee interest coffee side. than, than the bread. Um, but I had always been really into cooking mm-hmm. and so decided to take on the bread element of this whole picture and then pass it off. That was my intention <laughs> to like learn how to make it. And then so we could do the concept and we could kind of move on to the coffee piece. But then I just fell in love with it. Um, and then we progressed into pastries and things like that. Cause it was like a natural mm-hmm. progression. So it was like food interest um, and then moving into kind of sliding yeah. into that. So what, what about it did you fall in love with? Is it, something about the process or is it uh the i mean i personally love the uh, outcome of bread baking which is actually yeah. eating bread but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it i really like to use my hands so you're you're it's like a physical activity and then um you're you're repeating the same process every day but mm-hmm. it's always different like the way that we do our bread we use like a natural like sourdough starter so it's it's just literally flour and water mm-hmm. and it holds this bacteria called and yeast culture that leavens the bread. Um, and that is, is like a little baby. It kind of, <laughs> it reacts to the humidity and the temperature and all this stuff. So you're, you're always adapting to try to create this end product. So you have this process that's the same mm-hmm. and this end product that you're trying to get to. And then it's just this journey every day to mm-hmm. get to that point. And that's what I really loved about it is like you can, practice the same thing so there's sort of like a meditative mm-hmm. aspect meditative aspect to it and then you you can uh also be creative and so you can't sleep on well. the job no it's there's not no. <laughs> yeah, there's no real yeah <laughs> you're not, not a to b every single day <laughs> you're hoping the result is similar but it's not the same every yeah day. no yeah. and that's that's also what's cool that's part of the yeah. fun of it yeah. yeah so so chris you're the baker kate where how do you factor in i've seen you i've been into you guys share space with uh, messenger coffee Big, beautiful, um, mm-hmm. love it, uh, right in the crossroads. I've seen you there on Saturdays walking around, handing out samples, but what else, uh, how, how else do you uh, help with IBIS? Yeah, I, I pretty much do the front of house. I started by just selling toast and loaves of bread and coffee at the farmer's market, so just working with customers, mm-hmm. um, and that's turned into an interest just in hospitality in general. So making people feel really welcome in our space, making the product seem approachable, even though it might look a little different than what people are used to finding, um, Mm -hmm. and kind of teaching them 
why it's good for them, why they should love it, <laughs> and how to use it when they take it home, how to share it. So. Totally. Well, I mean, you've. It, I definitely get that impression from you and from the entire brand just being in there. It does feel like you're welcome. It's because um, with a lot of sort of premium products, it can be easy to alienate people that aren't familiar with mm-hmm. high-end breads or whatever you want to call it. And so it, it does come across as very welcoming in that space. So you guys have done an excellent yeah, job of that. I think being, I mean, it's just so, there's so many artisan and places and people who are doing craft things and people like Chris just have a lot of pride in this amazing beautiful thing that's taken a lot of work and time and effort to figure out and it's just interesting to feel in a lot of places we go into there's a sense that of like this is how we do it Mm -hmm. this is what we make and we think it's amazing and if you guys don't like it that's fine you're just not our customer Mm -hmm. Um, I want to take the approach that anyone could know like could become someone who loves what we do mm-hmm. no matter like where their starting point is and so just kind of figuring out where to meet people like bending over backwards to make sure that they have you know that they can approach it and um start to like it even if they're coming their palate is totally different from what ours is mm-hmm. it's um, amazing that's like true midwestern hospitality yeah, right there. <laughs> totally. and that was a thing like we thought about starting on the west coast and there the the market is more educated on like what why sourdough bread like why would you eat that instead of something mm-hmm. so quick bread and so um we knew one of the challenges of starting in kansas city would be educating our customer base and i'm a former teacher so i love that process yeah, it's really totally. fun for me to see like a light bulb go on in people's minds so you found that there's like a thirst for that knowledge mm-hmm. here oh people love to know stuff okay yeah, yeah. yeah. and everyone's on too, a health yeah. journey yeah. yeah and everyone is a foodie so it's just like <laughs> it's really easy and fun so how do you combat with more and more people it seems are cutting out carbs mm-hmm. how do you combat with that talking about how bread can be healthy and mm-hmm. uh, nourishing for you or they're gluten-free or trying to – the crazy diets, different things like that. Just trying anything to kind of change it up. I mean – So early on, not right away, not at the very, very beginning, but early on when Chris was learning how to bake bread using this slow-rise process, we learned that that process is makes bread digestible. Okay. So it's – yeah, it transforms gluten and it makes it easier for your body to mm. digest. That's the way that people used to make bread before, like industrialization in America, and making like just huge batches and adding agents, yeah, that make the process faster. And um, that wasn't the reason we started making bread that way. It was more like what Chris was describing. It was like a beautiful. It was a challenge. It was an art, mm-hmm. but um, that was like a huge benefit and um, or just really exciting for us to realize, like, whoa, like people can, people can eat this even if they just, you know, whatever. Right? So not. Because it it is totally different than what I grew up with, what I think a lot of Americans grew up with, which you can't go into the store and pick up a plastic bag and Mm -hmm. it's there. I mean, it's right there on the shelf and you guys are walking around with big Mm -hmm. loaves of bread. And I think um, it it can seem intimidating at first, but once you kind of get used to that, then I think people like you were talking about, it's people really come around to it very easily. So talking about the slow rise process and the benefits of it. I do that like every day. Mm-hmm. All of our, anyone who sells bread or pastries for us, like give that spiel mm-hmm. at least 10 to 20 times a day. And then also talking about the ingredients and the fact that we have a mill um, just like on display in our new location yeah. is a conversation starter. You, I mean, you can see it if, uh, if you've not been to 
Messenger and Ibis Bakery, the first floor is you see the bread baking facility. It's everything's right there. You see all the people working with your hands. It's a very energetic environment. So what is it like? How is it? affected the business just having people out in the open like that it will does it, it put you on the spot are you stressed out seeing everybody watching you do your work i think it was yeah at first yeah <laughs> because our our bread shaping table is it there's it's like right where customers can stand so you can literally be two feet away from <laughs> yeah and i think at first it it, it feels um Invasive at first. Yeah. I'll say it. <laughs> I can't imagine someone coming and watching me do my work, like just yeah. standing right there, looming over me. Like that's weird. <laughs> but the whole reason why we did it is for those interactions. That's so awesome. We, if you think about it, like you want that to happen. You want someone to to talk to you, mm-hmm. the person who's making the product that they're about to eat, and ask questions about it. And that was one of the philosophies of our space um, was to to have people be able to engage as like literally as much as they want. Like they can go right up to a baker or they can just buy a loaf of bread or mm-hmm. just walk into the space. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah, so it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, and it's, it's fun to see all the people, all the people asking questions. Yeah. yeah. So how did that relationship come together? Was it to you coming to messenger? Did messenger come to you? How did that all work together? Cause it seems to be a symbiotic relationship now when you walk in those doors. Yeah, so so like that that original s- story ties into the coffee piece because um, we had what happened when we decided to do the coffee and bread concept in Kansas City was we um, had family members that were part of this like original vision, Got it. and we partnered up with a cup the the head roaster and then the, the quality control and sourcing guy from Messenger Kirsten's the roaster and or from not from Messenger mm-hmm. Benetti's. Yeah. Kirsten is the roaster and Nick is the quality control and he does all the coffee sourcing and stuff. So we partnered up with them and that was like how Messenger formed. So that was four years ago and this uh, cafe is sort of the culmination of that vision. We were wanting to do it this whole time. Um, it just took that long. Well, because you guys were baking bread elsewhere before you had this big space, and then Messenger was a pretty popular roaster in the city yeah. uh, before. And so that is, it's cool that yeah. both of those visions or all, everything was kind of able to come together in this big, yeah. beautiful three-story space. And something that's kind of cool that so my my parents, independently of all of this, <laughs> purchased Black Dog. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Which is a coffee shop. Uh, yeah. Is it south of town? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we started Ibis. And that's actually where Messenger's roasting facility first was, so, or their cute, their quality control piece. So we actually were in the same space, yeah. with no retail front, in this like karate dojo. We were <laughs> making bread and they where were, else, right? They were doing sample roasting. Working on your black belt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then Black Dog was this retail piece that was, we were, they were selling the coffee to Black Dog and we were doing our bread there. And it was, Black Dog has been, it's a, yeah, it's a cool, it's a, it's, yeah. It's just, it's cool how it all works. It's really yeah, confusing. Yeah. It seems like, uh, I mean, we've talked to so many different people already, and every single time there's always a story about uh, this collaboration where the sort of almost fate, people's uh, ideas, they have this idea, and then they meet someone else who has another idea. Kate, yeah. how does, is, it, is there something about Kansas City that uh, brings people together like that? Or is it just, well, what is it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like, well, people are so friendly and interested in sharing what they're excited about. Mm-hmm. 
like something I think that's special about Ibis, but is also what I see happening in Kansas City that's so good is like the customers in our line just can't help but turn to one another, strangers, and just like talk about the things that they always buy Mm -hmm. um, from us or what they do with the bread or how to use it, make recommendations. And I think just that level of like, I can't help myself from like bubbling over because I'm so excited about the good stuff that I know <laughs> is like I mean, people yeah. you don't find that in other every other city I'm smiling because that reminds me of our last uh, visit to your space actually because I think a lot of people maybe if they haven't been there they realize that it's not just like blueberry muffins you know mm-hmm. we're not talking about just a, a mom and pop bakery but we were talking about have you tried this have you tried that because it's some off-the-wall creations that are really artistic and really delicious mm-hmm. where are you guys coming up with that stuff um, we have it, it's just like a staff collaboration. So we have really, really talented people that participate in like all the different facets of what we do. And then and then also production of the product. So we have, a, our philosophy is that we um, are using local produce as much as we can. So mm-hmm. we have partnerships with farms and that creates seasonality. So that automatically causes you to have to shift your menu mm-hmm. frequently and then we also have this other element in our new space where we're milling flour. So we have all this access to different grain varieties and stuff, which also contributes to it. So it's it's using that um, with really talented people that creates the, the stuff. <laughs> I'm sure they're passionate about it. And you can tell just by even looking at it. I mean, it's these uh, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. And then actually tasting it is another different experience altogether. So do you have a favorite that you make and a favorite that you I'm eat? Sure you What's, both do. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds sure about this. I like sampling the pastries. Well, who really doesn't? Like I mean, you, you have to do it for, you know, just to try it, just to know. Yeah. It's part of the job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Um, the thing I like the most or I talk about the most, I guess, is the Queen Amon. And we make one in Lenexa that's, like, just really beautiful. Um, and it's been around for a while. Like, a lot of people know what it looks like and love it. And um, it looks like a crown. Okay. It's okay. a croissant dough. And then between the layers, there's sugar. And then that caramelizes and pools in the middle when it bakes. But it's not too sweet. It's, like, a little bit salty and really balanced. Ooh. And then um, downtown, we're making a Queen Amon with fresh milled flour. So there's a challenge because, like, the fresh milled flour is harder to get, like, the, a structure so it doesn't get as big. But there's, like, a depth of flavor that's delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really – that's my favorite. Do you have a favorite that you like to bake or is there one that's particularly difficult or uh... – mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like our baguette. Mm. Nice. We, yeah. We do it in, like, a uh, – so in France in the early 1900s, there was this period of time where they were using, uh, like it was when commercial yeast like first came out onto the market, mm-hmm. and then they were combining it with sourdough, and it creates this like really amazing flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the really expensive bakeries would put toasted corn flour in it, and it was, oh, because corn was like not grown in France mm-hmm. or if it was it was really expensive so it seemed like a luxury mm-hmm. yeah so we have access to all this corn so we do like a <laughs> flour we, we do it in a very traditional like way and it's I think it's really unique and really fun to make also challenging to figure out how to sure it. that's awesome yeah, where does the name come from because um, we have been like struggling over what do we pronounce it Ibis or Ibis. do we say B- EB what, mm-hmm. where does it come from it, it's clearly a 
Uh, you've got the t-shirt on it now. It's a bird, right? The <laughs> yeah, Ibis, the Ibis bird. is a bird. Chris's brother is a creative, Matt. He um, is one of the founders of Messenger. Mm-hmm. But he was just helping us brainstorm, like, what do we call this bread baking company? And we wanted something easy, uh-huh. although we found it's maybe, like, harder to pronounce things. But um, <laughs> this bird, he was doing research on the Ibis bird, and um, it will only eat when it's in a flock. And since we started with just bread and it's such a communal food, it's like brings this concept of like bringing people together to share something that's good, eat together, um, that we thought was represented by the Ibis. And it's also just like a beautiful, like it's very simple, stately, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of like, we just want the products to be what we're like. Representative mm -hmm. of the brand. Yeah. I love that. Did you come up with, I'm sure you came up with some names that were not, uh, that didn't quite land. Were there any, do you have any really crazy off the wall ones or... Ones that people were really pulling for that just didn't work out. Chris and Kate. Yeah, Chris and Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was honestly a thing where Matt just came and was like, hey, we should name it this, and then we did. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't think it's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, We've had many good. like joke names since then. I think we're currently on Bird Dog Man. To talk about like oh, yeah, black yeah. dog, I miss. <laughs> right, combining all the things. Yeah, just like, seem to have a thing for birds. Your family. Yeah. <laughs> That's that classic. Um, like when you form a band when you're like twelve, and you're like, all right, let's just take all of our initials, and then yeah. we'll make some crazy word out of it. That's what that sounds like to me. Uh, so a couple episodes ago, Chris, um, Drew, and I were talking about how we we see that Kansas City seems to be inside of a a renaissance, if you will. Yeah. That with you guys opening and other great bread places and bakeries popping up as you know everywhere from lawrence to here uh but still that farm to market has been around for a while and they've yeah. done some great stuff too what kind of role has other Kansas city bakeries played in your direction and what you did want to do and what you didn't want to do that's a good question uh, uh, it's played a lot into mm-hmm. what we, what, so um when i first started baking i got connected with fred who owned Ferberry bakery in the, Thank west. You in the west side that, yeah the yeah yeah i've and heard about 15 different pronunciations <laughs> none of them are right <laughs> that is that's the on the west side technical. with the the cheese slippers famous yeah, for yeah, cheese yeah. slippers, right yeah um who he also started farm market back with a with another partner um way back when and he got to the point with the farm to market that he was wanting to just kind of focus on really like craft bread and sort of do what he wanted um and that, the way that he'll talk about it is just like that lack of pressure um, created, allowed him to just create whatever he wanted and what he made is like pretty unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really special to Kansas City and just bread in general. Um, so in, in traveling to other bakeries and stuff, I, I always like came back to that and was like, I this bread I like and it's it's interesting and different than what you get in other places. Um, less sour. It's less sour than what you get in other places, even though it's still sourdough. Sure. Um, and so I just learned a lot from him and strived to like make bread that was kind of in his style, which was unique. And yeah, and and I'm really good friends with Taylor, mm-hmm. at, who owns 1900 Barker and Lawrence, and mm-hmm. Taylor learned a lot from Fred. So we like buy flour together and everything. <laughs> so it's like a very small community, but like strongly influenced 
by each other and Fred. That's, cool. that's um, we, when we talked to Jeremy Danner in our previous uh, one of our previous episodes. He talked about the craft beer scene and how everybody's kind of collaborative and pulling for each other. So it sounds yeah. like the bread yeah. community is very similar in that very regard. Yeah. yeah, very much so. And we have people that work for Farm Market or work for wheat fields mm-hmm. um, that are working for us, and it's it's really cool. It's it's and and people are willing to share mm-hmm. both like resources. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yeah, and knowledge. So I'm a little curious about how, what an average day looks like for you, and I'm sure there's no average day, but <laughs> to baseline the conversation so you know what type of bakers you're dealing with. Yeah. Drew is okay of a baker. I've had some of scones. Yeah. They Aww. were very delicious. <laughs> and my extent of baking is the you know the Play-Doh bakery set that my eight-year-old <laughs> niece has. So what does the day look like? You Is it stereotypical like we would expect with like a donut maker? You're getting up at 4 a.m. Like mm-hmm. walk us through what an average day looks for the, like for the two of you. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely different for uh, for Kate than it is for me. Um, but if if we're thinking like strictly like making our products, mm-hmm. um, the the bread shift starts at four, unless it's like a bigger bake day, and then we'll start earlier. And it's usually like at least ten hours. Um, oh my gosh. What time is it? We have you here at 3.30. You should be going to bed right now. Is that right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So we we do all this, um, the process for making our breads the day before we bake them. And one of the parts that I think is really important to what we do is we we let it rise for a long time overnight in a cold environment. So you get a flavor shift and um, better crust and all that stuff. And so we bake it off the next day. So the, you're baking the neck. So like it, on a Wednesday, say, you're you're mixing and shaping tomorrow's bread, Thursday's bread, and also baking that day's bread. Okay. Um, and then pastry happens day of independently of it. Actually, our pastry is all over the place. Some of <laughs> it's day of. Our croissants are three days. Okay. So we'll do like a mix, and then we'll do lamination where you're putting the butter in the dough in layers, and then you're baking it the next day. Okay. Um, so it's kind of all over the place. Just seems like you've got. Yeah. So, uh, how many people do you have on your staff baking at any given time? Um, that's a good question. At, at our at our new space, we have like two pastry people mm-hmm. and uh, three to four bread people. Okay, so you and got some kitchen good. staff as well. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Kate, what about you? What's the uh, average day? Are you up at 4 a.m. as well, or do you get to sleep uh, in a little bit? I sleep in longer than Chris does. Okay. <laughs> but I usually do wake up around like 4 or 4.30, so he, wakes up, he didn't say what time he wakes up. <laughs> 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 um, and then I just like to get to the cafe early yeah. before we open and make sure things are like going to be pristine for our mm-hmm. first customers and get product out and... Um, after that, I pretty much just get bombarded with whatever comes up. So just like trying to keep things looking clean, like we get restocks of pastries throughout the day and bread comes out at different times every day. So just getting it on the shelves and cutting up samples, problem solving. I mean, I I work with like our food runners and make sure trash mm-hmm. cans aren't overflowing. And what I'd like to be able to focus more on in the next season is um, – because I love teaching people about what we're doing and I've been able to do some field trips in the past. Mm. Um, I think we've had like seven or eight groups come to our bakery, but I'd love to come up with just a regular field trip program for kids um, to come through and like touch dough and, um, or just some sort of class. I don't know. 
No, I, I think don't that... want listeners to get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> but just for people, I don't know if it's, I mean, we've talked a lot, we've brainstormed, like, how can we, like, actually show people more of the process other than what we're just doing in our bakery? So, like, what if we just take the streetcar down to the farmer's market and show them how we choose what the, pro, you know, produce and um, then, like, come back to the bakery and <laughs> make some pasta or, that's you know, really or, like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. together. So that's sort of a maybe a little ways off, but I'd like to be able to create some space in my day for projects like that. Mm-hmm. We both love starting things, so we always have a lot of ideas. <laughs> that's good. That's um, always good. Um, so speaking of uh, things that education, teaching people something, what is grain milling exactly, and why does it matter, and uh, why, like, if I'm just uh, Joe or Jane Schmo, why would that matter to me? What is it? Um, yeah. So... If you're into coffee, I am. it's like the difference between <laughs> buying coffee that's already been ground and sitting on the shelf for a month or two, and uh-huh. then more buying coffee that's unground and then grinding it and making coffee from it. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So it's just fresher, and um, yeah. you probably just get a different taste from it, and it mm-hmm. probably makes the bread, the overall product, and product yeah. taste better. Yeah, and it, more aroma. And there's also like a what flour oxidizes over the course of time as it gets exposed to air. So it bleaches it. The air mm-hmm. bleaches the flour. Interesting. Um, and so freshly milled flour is unbleached and it has all, which the bleach kills off some of the nutrients that you can get. So it's like a lot more nutrient dense. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool elements about milling that we're just starting to get into is we can access a lot of different grains. So there's all these heirloom varieties of wheat and rye and spelt that are out there but you you can't buy flour or if you do buy flour it's it's not of the same quality or it's really expensive um so we actually have a bunch of farms that are planting grains for us that we're going to be able to use like so it'll be kansas wheat that's um, awesome and there's all these heirloom varieties that are like old kansas wheat that were first planted like a hundred years ago um, and they're more, they're better for your body. For they, sure. Yeah. They have a lot more nutrient. Um, so yeah, it's really exciting. That's really exciting. Yeah. I'm sure that's a big honor that people are yeah. recognizing what you, the work you guys are doing and they're responding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really fun. It'd be amazing. And humbling to realize that we could have that type of impact just by making yeah. bread, which is so simple that like we could be impacting a food system, like having people in Kansas, creating a demand Mm -hmm. for um, not just commodity wheat, which is everywhere. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that also emphasizes the connection that you have with growers. You know, you have that connection and then um, people actually get to come into the space and see it and then they buy the product. And so it does seem like it's sort of this big cycle. Yeah. 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 Um, Who runs your guys' social accounts? Because um, I've seen some of the photos where the the bread split in half. Is that am I getting that right? Oh yeah. Usually the bread split photos. So the bread. Okay. <laughs> so, Everyone makes fun. Of <laughs> okay, so we uh, if you've not seen it before, go to uh, what's your guys' Instagram Ibis handle? Bakery. Ibis Bakery. Uh, yeah. So you can see. I mean, there's tons of them. It's just a loaf of bread split down the middle, and these beautiful. What do you call? It? Is there a specific term for the? Yeah, texture crumb. Crumb, crumb. crumb. like C R U M. Yeah. Okay. C R U M B. Crumb. Okay. Yeah. So what? Um, t- tell us what that is, because <laughs> it, it looks beautiful. Web of gluten. I don't. I, so my brother-in-law and this guy Ryan, who's a great photographer, run the social media. I don't, but 
The open bread photos are mine. <laughs> uh, Have you seen them, Darren? No, not about intrigued. We yes. pull, let's pull one up um, because uh, it's go bread ahead. and pastry. Like yeah. uh, we do a lot of croissant yeah. interior yeah. photos yeah. Uh, that are beautiful. Interior and, photos. That's yeah. a good way to put it. So what? What the the style of bread that we do? Oh. Essentially, the more like air pockets, the better. Um, okay. Because we're using like almost as much flour as water. So mm-hmm. it's like when you're shaping bread and mixing bread, it's, um, it, you're actually like, like normally when you would shape bread, you'd use flour to keep it from sticking. We use water cause it's actually more full of water than it is of starch, I guess. And that allows the interior to be super soft. Um, but it also like opens it up and creates this texture. So, there's like a lack of density that we're trying to achieve. Okay. So that's like when you see the photos. That's know, a good thing, that's right? That's what we're yeah. going for. Gotcha. Okay. Looking yeah. at that photo, it doesn't seem dense. You see the the web is a good way to yeah. describe it. So yeah. that's a quality piece of bread is what yeah. I should it's take from airy yeah. and okay. probably yeah. flaky and light. Pockets yeah. of air. Yeah, well, okay. I like it every time because it's pretty. But <laughs> <laughs> I was confused why you were asking them to spell crumb for Yeah, yeah. well, I just need to get no. Yeah. We <laughs> <laughs> know what we're working with here. <laughs> Something interesting about those, like the holiness of the bread, is like a lot of people are a little like befuddled, like you know, like well, my sandwich components are going to fall through the holes right. of the bread, and so I do a lot of just like handhold, like you know, well, if you put like a slice of cheese down first or like a slice of meat instead of like sure. you know the spread, it'll hold it and make a great sandwich. But the holes, um, the air pockets actually have like an aroma and a flavor. Yeah. that's really amazing that like no is it yeah because yeah. it's well i mean mm. probably can describe it it's better. all the for like this so like a lot of you know like if you're if you have beer or something mm-hmm. like that like you're getting a lot of aroma in your totally from the gases mm-hmm. that are from the fermentation so that gets trapped in the bread through the air pockets so those are going to be have a distinct flavor yeah like when you cut it open and you smell it most of that smell is coming from the air pockets. I had no idea. That is so it's cool. <laughs> smell of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we never eat our bread. We never take it out and like punch down. Very okay. cool. We just like fold it gently um, to keep the air inside. Gotcha. To accomplish that. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I asked. <laughs> um, I was reading an article. Um, I think it was in Feast or Pitch maybe. One of those articles where um, – it said that when you were adding a food menu, you didn't want to just become a, a sandwich shop. And you look at that in the menu, and there's a bunch of different things. Um, my question is, uh, what do you have against sandwiches, and uh, what did they ever do to you? <laughs> Eats a sandwich every day. Yeah, for it's a peanut butter and jelly. Um, <laughs> take a lot of pride. Um, no, tell us a little bit about the menu. Um, what, where did it come from? Because it could have you could have very easily just gone with. Uh, a sandwich shop but mm-hmm. there's a lot of funky things mm-hmm. on there who designed it and how did you go that route another interesting thing about like the people that work for us is we have a lot of people that worked in great restaurants that are shifting from cooking and being more interested in the bread or pastry process and so the guy who has come up with a lot of the stuff in our menu um, was working for us as a bread baker and wanting to shift back into cooking using the tie to bread, I guess. Um, so he's coming up with a lot of the stuff, um, mm-hmm. and it's, but also other other of our, some more of our cooks, and like it's a collaborative effort, and that's like what we're trying to push. But 
Um, the sandwich thing. <laughs> it. I don't really know how that like how it where we got away from sandwiches. Aside from like the week before we opened, um, we had a bunch of stuff that wasn't complete in our construction process with our kitchen. So we said we can do these tartines, which are just a slice of bread, open faced, mm-hmm. and they went over really well. Gotcha. So we kept them on the menu instead of putting another slice on top because like it, it feels more balanced. Like our mm-hmm. our bread especially the fresh milk stuff is like there's a lot of flavor it's mm-hmm. kind of intense and so to make a sandwich out of it is a pretty intense thing um and then we have like so other things that are on our menu were from connections that we have so in the produce world so like the polenta that was on was from one of the farms who supplies us with uh grits and then um the beet hummus was from one of the farms that does beets <laughs> beet farm <laughs> they sell beets yeah <laughs> uh, so a lot of this stuff comes out of that concept I guess that's yeah. great um, but the idea with like I know the menu and even some of the pastry you know like stuff can look intimidating or complicated or sound complicated in the menu the idea though is that when it all comes together it just tastes good and mm-hmm. nothing tastes interesting like you, you don't have a bite and you're like oh wow I can taste all these like different components t- coming together in a way that like makes me think that was interesting Mm -hmm. but the idea is like there are there can be a lot of components or there can just be like one or two ingredients and it can just taste really simple and delicious and that's what that's kind of what we go for yeah and logan the guy who's in charge of our kitchen is like he's extremely talented that's Mm -hmm. great and he's doing stuff like we're making all our own bacon in house. Yum. Our own pastrami. We have wow. our own smoker out back. Yeah. Did, did you envision that whenever you were coming up with it, or did it just kind of happen? I personally didn't. Yeah, <laughs> <he> did. <laughs> just, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to kind of transition here. I have a little, a fun little thing that I want to do, and I want to ask you guys, get your expertise, your bread expertise. Um, I'm going to name sandwiches, and I want you to tell me the best kind of bread for that kind oh, of sandwich. That is fun. So, oh, good. Okay. Uh, just <laughs> wait, because it might they? not be very good. Okay. People tell me Do what they're making. at the same time? Um, you, you guys can uh, take turns. You can um, figure out how you can First one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first one, we're just going to go standard BLT. Country. Country, Country. bread. Why is that? You guys both settled on that. What's the... It's just our most like basic mild sourdough, mm-hmm. and um, it just, it makes a really good sandwich without competing with like the flavors of like especially mm-hmm. like lettuce and tomatoes so delicate. Mm-hmm. So letting the other flavors kind of yeah. uh, mm-hmm. take over. Okay, um, grilled cheese. You can pick the cheese if you want. Mm. I grew up on standard Kraft American slices. Yeah. Uh, peel. Uh, Strown across Iron Kid's bread. Oh yeah, yeah. Iron Kid's bread. Yeah, that's we both grew up eating Iron Kids. Yeah. So well, not I. I have a bone to pick with Dana Klaus, my mother, because she would take the Iron Kid's sleeve because that's all I would eat, and she put store bought like Dylan's bread inside of it. So she was running a little con, a long con on for oh, me. Wow. For you thought you were eating years. Iron Kids, and you were just getting I don't know what it is about Iron Kid's bread, but it worked. <laughs> you and I were very loyal to Iron Kids Bread. Never, never broken a bone, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> Anyways, we digress. Grilled cheese. Grilled cheese. Let's hear it. <laughs> country also. Yeah. Okay, another country. Yeah. Let the, the cheese, cheese would be white cheddar. White cheddar? Yeah. Is that your favorite? Kate, do you have a... 
Uh, I don't really know. Whatever, Chris. Like, Chris makes really good food. So okay, <laughs> so you just kind of let him take over? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I'm hoping this is not the same as country. Uh, peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> I'm hoping to maybe up my uh, my recipe. Peanut butter and jelly. I would say, well, I think like multigrain would be really good. Oh. Why is that? We've done a toast with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. With what about multigrain would bring out the peanut butter and the jelly? Mm-hmm. I like I like dark fruit jams mm-hmm. on the multigrain. I just I don't know what it is like. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a preferred jam? I will say that I don't actually use jelly. I use jam because jelly is mm-hmm. too mm. too sugary. I don't know. Even though j- jam is essentially just sugar, but <laughs> no. Uh, I like raspberry jam. Because you guys have jams there too, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. Who makes those? But mm. we make them at our new space. Uh huh. And then there's a place called, there's a company called, I think it's Bonnet, Bonnet mm-hmm. Maman. I don't know mm-hmm. how to pronounce That's it. That's not how you say it. I have no idea how to say it. <laughs> I've heard of French, it's a French brand yeah, sure. with like the white and red checkered leg. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty yeah. glass jar. Yeah, 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 you can yeah, find yeah. it in a lot of different, but we use that um, okay. on our toast and stuff too. And yeah, that's really it. good. Fantastic. Uh, what about a club sandwich? Is that going to be any different than like the BLT or is that country? I'm going to change up. Oh, let's hear it. We do a sprouted bread Ooh. like with sprouted quinoa. So it's kind of grassy a little bit. Wow. Interesting. It kind of tastes like a little... Yum. Mm-hmm. And I would just add like a little different yeah. texture to it. It's like putting sprouts on a sandwich. Oh, I love sprouts nice. on a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. underrated uh, condiment or mm-hmm. uh, yeah. ingredient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what about avocado toast? Because that's a very hot uh, item yeah. right now. Very popular. Um, we have a love... Um, called the sesame bread uh-huh. and mm-hmm. we right. have an avocado <laughs> toast on our that we make on the sesame bread and it's really good what, what about the sesame makes avocado toast good is well it the just... sesame is super flavorful like the mm-hmm. bread is filled with sesame and it also has toasted sesame on the outside of it sesame seeds and then the avocado we don't like over season it so it's really simple mm-hmm. um and i think i think sometimes avocado toast like the avocado has a lot of like flavor like a lot of garlic or a lot of salt or something, mm-hmm. but I think in this case for on our menu, like it's actually the bread that kind of has a, the bread's yeah, a lot of the flavor. The bread's the star. And the avocado That's a way is to put it. I like just that. a nice texture. And, That's what I interesting. Yeah. Okay. What about French toast? That's a very. Mm-hmm. Delicious so items. Oh, yeah. I think that's like yeah. the, to- the go-to. Bread we have the citrus yeah. brioche that makes Ooh, amazing yeah. French toast. Yum. But we have, uh, French toast I talk about a lot with customers. Also, our fruited loaves. We have um, like a cranberry almond and a cranberry oh, walnut Oh, yes. Bread, that would be good. And that would be good for French toast. Nice. Okay. Last one. What about a McDonald's filet fish <laughs> <Would you? laughs> If you can class that up. Yeah, okay. Well, just, <laughs> easy. Done. Obviously. I thought that would have fooled you guys. Um, <laughs> that was good. What, just breaded fish and uh, baguette. Baguette go together. Yeah. Maybe yeah. some mustard. Yeah. Oh, no. Mayo. Well, tartar sauce, yeah. right? That's oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's on the thing. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, so we'll expect to see that on the menu yeah. very, very soon. Yeah, I'll uh, be on the lookout for you guys. So, <laughs> um, is there anything else that we missed uh, that you guys want to mention before we sign off? Oh, is this your list of sandwiches? I, I yes, have, I had a whole okay. bunch more on there, but I decided not to give you. I thought I didn't see all of this. And I One of them saw... stuck out to you. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't know the game, and I oh. was just I heard I saw the across and stuff. I was like, I wonder what they decided not to talk about. 
burnt ends? I thought you were like going to ask us about. Let's hear it. Our What's burned, your like bread? Yeah, let's hear and it. And then decided not to like if it was no, 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 no. I didn't want to send a bunch of crazy ideas. He can talk about sandwiches all day, so we just had to rein him in a little bit. Yeah. So tell us about burnt bread. Is that what you said? Well, a lot of customers think our our bread or our pastries are much darker than they're used to. Oh, because they're not that golden hue or what? Yeah. They're just brown on top, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a very beautiful brown, but... So walk us through that, like... <laughs> what? Uh, I can start and you can. Okay. <laughs> I obviously got excited. About that. <laughs> there's a stuff. I mean, w- w- in a lot of cuisines, there's an appreciation for bitterness as part of what people like and go for, especially in like baked the baked food realm. But I think in the U.S., that's something that we don't really covet or or look for, especially not in like bread or pastries maybe like coffee or Mm -hmm. chocolate is the exception for um that but we think that like the contrast between like a caramelized crust that's like darker and has some bitterness in it and then like the light soft sweet interior is delicious and so um that's something that we're I'm talking about with our customers all the time. And that's actually the reason why we do a lot of samples for mm-hmm. people is because I think like when people see something that looks too dark, they have a very like deeply held belief that it's going to taste charred. Mm-hmm. And so to sort of like retrain people's palates to taste something that looks like it's going to taste burned, but actually ex- the experience is sweet. Um, well, I mean, you, you that's I'm in my mind. I'm thinking, yeah, if I see a really dark brown piece of bread, I think, well, it's burnt or there's mm-hmm. something. But just going to uh, Ibis, you quickly realize that that is not the case at all. <laughs> um, and there's a spectrum. I mean, sometimes things get too dark in the oven and we try not to sell those. Lights. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but also sometimes we think things turn out too light and they don't actually have that complexity of flavor yeah. that we are going for. Very interesting. And we bake it a lot hotter than you would bake. So our, our oven bakes our bread at 570. Wow. 560 degrees. Wow. And what's the normal? What, what would you say most people probably bake at? Oh, yeah. 400 400 so that's much hotter yeah wow and it bakes in a short amount of time and what it does is we use a ton of steam in it too so mm-hmm. it allows it to expand without crisping over too fast gotcha and that caramelizes the sugars on the outside of the bread or the pastry mm-hmm. that's been that is from all the fermentation that's happening and it creates a really thin crust oh so okay. if it's lighter it's potentially a thicker crust uh-huh. which also like texturally it's a lot nicer to have a really thin crust, I think. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate you both making time. Uh, Drew and I are both big fans. You'll be seeing us a lot more down there uh, in your new space. Uh, oh. Thank you so much for making time and coming down and talking with us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, Kate and Chris Madge, so Ibis Bakery, thanks so much. That's all for this episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter for show updates, extras, and more. And remember to subscribe and rate us on your preferred platform. Special thanks to MMGY Global and to Kevin McLeod for Speakeasy's theme music.